Coming up on the WAC Podcast, Stephen F. Austin is headed to the NCAA Volleyball Tournament. We'll talk with head coach Debbie Humphreys in our second segment. Kendra Sheehan is back in studio. I know, hard to believe, after three weeks of Demetrius House, he has been kicked to the curb. Kendra is back. She will re, uh, she'll have tales of soccer and, and what she's had going on the past few weeks. We look forward to that. And then basketball now in full swing. That's coming up on the WAC Podcast. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode is presented by Hercules Tires. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan. Wow, what an open, what a welcome back. Man, I have missed the WAC podcast. It feels like forever, though I was a guest at uh, a few weeks ago, so I, I have been at a, I'm in appearance, but I haven't been co-hosting per usual. I mean, we were about to change the open I, they, to have <laughs> Demetrius House as the co-host, but... Uh, you're back. You're back in studio. You had a little illness going on there for a little bit. Got the COVID. You had. <laughs> you were the analyst for soccer. Yep. And uh, then it was Thanksgiving last week. So yeah. I mean, come on. That's. I think that's an acceptable. <laughs> I think that's an acceptable. Three weeks soccer. Oh, there and goes you... <laughs> that light. Um, so in turn, let's let's back up to to soccer. All right. Uh, since we haven't had you on since then, I think the last time you were on, you were at soccer. Yes, at I was. CBU. CBU goes on to win the WAC Men's Soccer Championship uh, as the five seed out of six. They're the host. They had three games in five days, right? Yep. Uh, just like New Mexico State uh, women's soccer was a, a team that happened to play the first day. Yeah. Which, you know, is kind of baffling because, right, soccer players like run the equivalent of a marathon during a game and then you three marathons in five days. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. CBU wins. They go on to play UCLA. In the NCAA tournament, they score the first goal. Yep. Wind up losing two to one, but uh, CBU, looking like a team not only for this year but but for future years, made their mark on WAC men's soccer. They certainly did. I mean, and you talk about how much they run. Well, their season is nicely set up so that they they play on Fridays and they play on Sundays. So they're used to those two games. It's that third game that's tricky. But these, I think that the Lancers, they just had so much momentum. There was a huge crowd there. I think it broke their attendance record. Um, is, is I'd have to look up the, the final number, but there was, there was a massive crowd there that were supporting them. And they really just, they came out with a lot of intensity. They were playing San Jose State, a team who really likes to maintain possession. And that's kind of their style, make teams chase them which would, would really have helped them in, in terms of, you know, CBU running their legs, getting tired and having to chase the ball. But but CBU really was dominant for, for the most part, of course. Um, you know, it ended up in a draw. And then and then we we go to we go to overtime and there's no golden goals. So they got to right. play another 20 minutes. But and- nobody scored anyway. Yeah, nobody scored anyway, um, and I, I you gotta you gotta credit to Nolan Premack because I won't say you know San Jose State had their chances in the second half for sure, but it was Nolan Premack. He came up with big time saves. I mean, he doesn't make those saves. They're not going to the NCAA tournament. And then in penalty kicks, 
he stops this massive penalty kick. It was like it was in. I'm trying to look. It was in the right corner. If I'm looking at, <laughs> if I'm facing, what it was in. You know, it was an upper ninety shot. He punches it away. It was huge. Got the momentum. San Jose State. Their team misses two PKs. They go on to win. And the best part is the story of Nolan Premack. I mean, the guy has just been through so much. Right. Double hip surgery. He lost his mother in the preseason, and we asked him about it. And and he uh, he wears a white armband on his um, you know jersey. And, and he he was you know in tears, kind of just like you know I know my mom was looking down on me, and it was it was pretty emotional. So a great person. Got to speak with him afterwards. And I was a goalkeeper and in high school and club in college, and so I was geeking out about some of his saves. <laughs> but yeah, it was it's really exciting. And I think the Lancers what they have there with. Uh, with uh, Co. Michelson is a pretty good program, especially now that they've set the tone. They're NCAA eligible, and and what a way to start that. So the following week, uh, you were scheduled to go to oh, Abilene Christian for the tears. de facto WAC football championship, but you came down as you mentioned with the COVID. Couldn't so, get any so of my you, you seem like you're, you're recovered, right? You're you're feeling good. Feeling good. Pretty much. A little tired. A little tired. Yeah, a little residual. Little, yeah. Got that COVID brain fog, so don't yeah. ask me anything. <laughs> no, I've had it for two years now, that brain fog. Maybe probably more than that. But uh, so Abilene Christian, Stephen F. Austin winds up being the WAC for the WAC Football Championship. Stephen F. Uh, comes away with the victory. A very exciting game, especially in the second half. Uh, Xavier Gibson winds up being the WAC Offensive Player of the Year. Back-to-back, first time that's happened since Kellen Moore former quarterback at Boise State, now the offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. If you uh, follow the WAC of social media, you saw that as a hashtag WAC flashback. Oh, yes. Uh, Xavier Gibson, which um, I had in my notes that he was a junior, but now listed as a senior. And, you know, of course, with the COVID year and all those kind of things, you know, uh, but he has accepted an invitation to play in the Hula Bowl, uh, which... uh, is now in Orlando, Florida, <laughs> which uh, Hula Bowl used to be in Honolulu, uh, oh. but the stadium was condemned and torn down. That they Hashtag used to the... whack road trip to Orlando. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> uh, do have a hashtag uh, whack road trip coming up uh, this week, though. Yes. As Stephen F. Austin, winners of the WAC volleyball tournament, will be playing at Baylor, which, uh, again, our conference office now in Arlington, Texas. Baylor not too far away in Waco, so we're looking at hey, this uh, this would be an opportunity to to go support to one of our teams in the NCAA's. That's right, get a little staff bonding in, go to a, a lovely meal, maybe some barbecue, maybe you know. Do you know any spots uh, in Waco? Yeah, we'll have to find. Them. Hey, yeah, well, I'm sure there are. You know, if this podcast goes, I don't know when it's going out. It might go out today. It might go out today. Then, you know, listeners, if you know spots in Waco, you you send a message to Twitter at Wax Sports. <laughs> so we, we had a great conversation with Debbie Humphreys, the head coach, that'll be on in our next segment. But uh, this will be their eighth trip, SFA's uh, eighth trip to the NCAAs under Coach Humphreys. So she's been there, done that. She's won an NCAA tournament game before. Um they they do have a tough draw though in Baylor, uh, one of the top teams in the country. The four seed, um, actually ranked number sixteen in the country as as I was reading into it. Oh, okay. Still, still certainly a, a tough tough matchup. And then you're going into Baylor's you know home court, a hostile environment. Though she did say that she thinks that 
purple will be re- well represented there. I know I will be purple head to toe. Maybe I'll paint my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the uh, the match before that will actually be the University of Colorado against oh, uh, Rice, a former WAC school. So uh, should we get there early? <laughs> uh, well, it might you know eat into the eating time. That's true. Barbecue. That's true. So we'll have to, we'll have to look see. at what we got. Matches at seven. Should eat at five thirty. <laughs> yeah, well, and then how long does it take to get there? Yeah, right. So. That's true. We got to make our two cars. Our travel coordinator has to. That's right, Matt Boyd, our new whack travel coordinator, <laughs> has to. He's he's got it down. Yeah. Uh, so we have that going on. Also, the NIVC, uh, which is kind of the NIT, if you will, for volleyball. Uh, both Grand Canyon and UTRGV accepting invitations there. UTRGV will actually be at home this week as part of the NIVC. That's right. The Vaqueros hosting Houston Christian Friday, December 2nd, 7 p.m. Central Time tip. And then we got another one They have a well. tip there huh? in volleyball. They change it. Tip? They got serve? A, <laughs> first serve? Yeah. It, yeah. What would it be? First, first? I think it's first serve. All right. Yeah. No tip. First serve. Anywho... <laughs> Grand Canyon also in the NIVC. They will play at Wichita State Sunday, December 4th, a 3.30 p.m. first serve. Very exciting uh, for those schools to have that opportunity to continue to play into the postseason. GCU in the volleyball tournament, if you remember, they, they had won 18 sets in a row, won, uh, swept six matches heading into the tournament. First uh, matchup, they get another sweep. They had won 21 sets in a row. Then they ran into SFA in the semifinals. Oh, that's right. SFA wins uh, three matches to one. We're now well into basketball season, Kendra, so I think the last time you are on the show might have been right after basketball media day. Oh, man. <laughs> and now, now we're well into the season. Cool. We've had some big wins uh, by WAC schools. Uh, we saw Sam Houston uh, defeat both Oklahoma on the road and Utah on the road. Uh, we, we've seen Seattle U uh, as one of the stronger teams in the league to start the season. They did lose at Washington the, the other day. But uh, so far, um, you know, kind of hard to tell as it is a lot of times a non-conference because you're going to have teams playing Power 5 schools and then sometimes they'll be playing NAIA schools. So it's it's – Really, until conference play gets underway, hard to say who exactly the best teams are. But uh, we have had some really big wins. Certainly. And, you know, now with the, the new WAC resume seeding system, it's it's really important for teams to have that full, complete season in which, you know, every every game, every big game that, you know, Sam Houston, Seattle U, some of our teams have won, certainly will play a factor in determining the seeding for our postseason tournament which is bigger and better than ever before with more teams more days of fun put me on the whack vegas psa because i will hype it up did did you have a conversation about that because that's being talked about that you would be the voiceover oh really oh my gosh yeah Wow. Breaking yeah. news right here. Yeah, actually, one Shelby Herndon suggested that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Shout out to Shelby. Because I, I, I've always, you know, coming up in the news business. Yeah. You know, when you're on a newscast, you never have the voiceover person be one of the anchors. Oh. It's always this disembodied, you know, voice. Yeah. Would, but then this isn't the news business. No. So is- why not have, you know, Kendra do it? Why not? I like this idea. I don't know. 
I don't know. It's uh, you know our whack basketball tournament <laughs> <laughs> coming up next is bigger and better than before. More. See, okay, I'm done. Did I send you the script? Yes. You okay, because yeah, that's like what I wrote. Yeah. That, I, so. Well, because I, I read it and now I I remember it. And I'm saying it. <laughs> so our, our uh, Players of the Week uh, brought to you by Ticket Smarter. On the men's side, Justin Johnson, senior forward for UTRGV. He uh, it was the conference's leading scorer as they went 2-1. and one. Now, uh, after the WAC Volleyball Tournament hosted by UTRGV, uh, not like our good friend Jonah Goldberg got to uh, rest on his laurels. Monday after the tournament, they had uh, Texas in town. <laughs> Ooh. So they played a, a doubleheader at uh, Bird Ogden Arena, a fabulous facility where the uh, Vipers played the RGV Vipers of the G League. Oh. So UTRGV played uh, Western Illinois in the first game, and then Texas played Northern Arizona in the second game. First time Texas has ever played in the Rio Grande Valley. And in that first game, buzzer beater Aaron Freeman Gets the buzzer beat or whack top play. Whack top play. Justin Johnson also had an outstanding game and an outstanding week, averaging 26 points, 3.3 rebounds, 1.7 assists. They then turned around the next day and played Northern Arizona. So they got two wins. Then they went to Texas, played them the day after Thanksgiving. Of course, University of Texas, I think, ranked number four in the country. Somewhere. I'm exhausted just hearing this yeah. schedule. Well, and the light comes back on. Yeah. I mean, this is fantastic. And so... <laughs> Uh, UTRGV goes two and one on the week. The one loss being to Texas, so of course, no no shame in that. I guess that's acceptable. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, so Justin Johnson gets player of the week. Kobe Knox is our freshman of the week from Grand Canyon. He had a breakout performance as they played Benedictine Mesa. Now originally that game was going to be Pepperdine, uh, but Pepperdine came down with some illnesses oh. and was not able to play. They've actually rescheduled that for the middle of December. Okay. Benedictine Mesa, of course nearby Mesa, Arizona, uh, was able to jump in and kind of fill that spot so they still had a game. Uh, nice. And Kobe Knox uh, getting an opportunity to play a little bit more, of course, um, as uh, GCU was well in control most of that game and uh, w- was able to show out, as the kids say, with uh, 14 points and seven assists in uh, 25 minutes of action. Don't forget those two steals. Pretty good, pretty good numbers. How about on the women's side, what do we got? Yeah, on the women's side, we have... Yeah, on the women's side, we have our Players of the Week, Evan Zars. She's a grad forward from Grand Canyon. She had a pretty big weekend. GCU was in the the GCU Classic. She had 37 points in two games, 18 rebounds, four steals, she uh she had her second double double of the season. So she she just had a had a pretty pretty tremendous weekend. And then for our freshman of the week, we have Elena Harper, also from Grand Canyon. She totaled 24 points, 6 rebounds in the two games of the GCU Classic. She really had that breakout game. I think it was on Saturday versus Lindenwood. Um, she had 18 points, 8 and 9 shooting, 4 rebounds, just 17 minutes of play. So, you know, GCU is, is a team that's kind of, you know, putting some pieces together. They got some new new pieces, some some uh, returners. And so, yeah, GCU sweeps the women's awards. I had a chance to check out uh, some of those games. And GCU really looking like uh, early on here, uh, a team to beat, uh, maybe one of the teams to beat in uh, WAC women's basketball. You, you mentioned Evan Zars getting player of the week. So she's the post player 
you know, comes in, gives them that presence, but also can step out and hit the three. You pair her up with Aaliyah Collins, who we saw last year as one of the top freshmen from Chicago State. She really runs the show there. Tierra Brown, we've talked about a lot on the show over the past couple of years. You had Sydney Palma from CBU, uh, you know, a player that is used to winning with the Lancers, and they really have a good mix. And now you have Elena Harper, who is our freshman of the week. She actually backs up Zars in the post. So they have two players that can score, even if uh, Zars needs to go to the bench, get a breather, or get some foul trouble. You have two players in the post that can contribute. So Things looking good for Molly Miller in that. And then the SFA Lady Jacks beating Boston College in Puerto Rico this past week. What a trip to Puerto Rico. You love when, when uh, and we talked about it um, during basketball media days, how some teams took those international trips. But also, you know, then you look through the season and they'll you'll have teams who will go to Hawaii or go to Puerto Rico or different classics. But, you know, it's good to good to play different teams, I think, than you normally wouldn't had you not entered these classics. And so nice. Stephen F. Austin, you know, they, they've just been a dominant team the past two years and looking to secure a third back-to-back-to-back bid. So uh, basketball in full swing. And uh, we also want to point out uh, volleyball going on. We're going to talk to Debbie Humphreys coming up next on the WAC Podcast. Bam, bam, bam. We would like to thank our partners, Hercules Tires, Ticket Smarter, and Adidas. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Daner, Kendra Sheehan, now joined by Debbie Humphreys, the head volleyball coach at Stephen F. Austin, uh, joining us from Waco, Texas, where the Lady Jacks will be playing Baylor in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Coach, uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Coach, uh, first off, congratulations on winning the WAC tournament. Uh, I know one of your goals at the beginning of the year. Well, I guess let's go back to Edinburgh, and then we'll we'll kind of look forward to your to your to your matchup with Baylor. But as far as what happened in those three matches to get you to the point where you win the NCAA's, it seemed like you guys got hot at the at the right time and were playing maybe your best volleyball of the season. Yeah, we definitely started playing our best ball at the at the right time. Probably over the last three weeks of the season. I mean, we had one day that one week that we went out and just did not play well. Um, got the flu, got all those illnesses out of the way all at the same time. But beyond that, about the last three to four weeks, we really took a turn in a positive direction. And we're able to take that momentum and take that to Edinburgh. And we knew it was going to be a, a huge challenge. One, you have to, everybody needs to bring their A game for three straight days. And we knew the competition was going to be fierce. And that if we accomplish that goal, we feel we felt like we we will have known that we've that we've accomplished something. And I was really pleased with how our team responded and we were in some tight matches, tight sets. I just reminded them that that's how we started our season. When we opened up the very first weekend at SMU, every single match we played, we played three matches. They all went four sets. And of those 12 sets of volleyball, 11 of them were decided by two points. And the one that was not was decided by three points. 
So we started our season being in really close sets and finding a way to win. And I reminded them of that when we got to Edinburgh and talked about, we just want to be in position. You know, when we get into the 20s, we both teams are probably going to be in the 20s, but who's going to, who's going to execute at crunch time and just reminded them of our mindset that very first weekend. We just kind of laughed about it. We would joke about it in the in the huddle. Here we are again, you know, hey, we're in position to win. And then you just go out and play and see what happens at that point. And it was a it was a lot of fun. We had a I had a great time down in Edinburgh. Looking at your roster, you have a lot of veteran presence on there. And looking at last year where you guys were in the NIVC, you beat Jackson State, but you, you, you couldn't get to the NCAA tournament because you didn't win the WAC tournament. What does it mean for this group to be able to get over that hump and, and finally get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge for us, especially it's the first time since our move to the WAC. But we have been in the NCAA tournament three out of the last five years. Uh, and qualified for postseason play the last five years. So it's become an expectation in our program that we're going to be in postseason play in some form or fashion. But certainly the NCAA tournament is what you want. And, um, you know, having to go through the competition we had to go through in Edinburgh to get here makes it a little extra special. Coach, you mentioned the NCAA tournament bids that SFA has had the last five years and during your tenure, I believe this is your seventh trip to the NCAA tournament. Actually can... our eighth. Oh, your eighth. Okay. My apologies. Yeah. I, I misread your, your, your bio there. Um, in terms of those previous appearances, what can you take from those and tell your team as you, as you look forward to Baylor this week? Well, you know, uh, three of our players, our seniors, this year's senior class has been to the NCAA tournament. So those three are the only ones with the NCAA tournament experience. But they, in fact, we were here. We were in Waco and playing uh, USC at the time. So um, they remember what the experience was about, but this group also understands what we're, they know what we're going to be up against. I think that's, that's the biggie is that they know, you know, the size, there's a, there's a size difference, no question. Um, they've got six, five, six, four, and you're, you're finding that at almost every spot across the front row. So that's probably the biggest difference in just the style of play that's going on in some of the Power Five conferences at that top level. But um, those seniors were able to, you know, give some words of wisdom to the young ones because we do have a lot of young players competing for us as well. And, um, you know, I don't think we're going to, we're not going to be intimidated. I expect us to go out and compete extremely hard. And we're just trying to do what we've done all year, put ourselves in position, and then we'll see if we can execute toward the end of a set. What were some of those words of wisdom that those three seniors, Kelsey, Ariana, had given to the team in terms of, you know, how to, how to play in those type of situations? and, uh, you know, go into those big hostile environments and hopefully come out with a victory and Peyton as well. Yeah, I think one of them certainly is the fact that they're human. You know, the other team, the team on the other side of the net is going to make mistakes as well, that we don't have to play perfect volleyball, 
We have to play smart. We have to play aggressive. And the things, the areas of our game that are totally within our control, we have to do those at an extremely high level. Coach, the last time you, you were in the NCAAs uh, was in Waco. You played USC, and I know you're you're in Waco now. Any changes that you made, or I guess the NCAA, did they make all the all the reservations and everything? Do you eat at a different restaurant? Do you change anything up there? <laughs> I mean, uh, we we are at a different hotel. We will eat at a different restaurant. Um, yeah, some of those things. But you're right. You know, the NCAA sets all sets. Well, they at least set the hotel that we're in. But um, yeah, I mean, this is a, a different group. We're doing our own thing. We're doing what has worked for this group throughout the course of a season. And that's the thing. By the time you get to end of November and get into December. Each team, you know, usually it takes about half of a season and you figure out what the routine needs to be for that particular group. So we've had time to figure that out and we're staying in our routine as much as possible. I think the thing that's the most different at this point is the like the practice times are a little unique. The pass and serve times on game day, everything about that is different than what we're used to. But well, this group, they know how to adapt and they're just a lot of fun. They've been a wonderful group to coach and we're just enjoying this journey together. Looking at, you know, Maddie Bork and then how she sets up, you know, Ilan has had a, a fabulous season. You have a freshman, Isabella, who's had a, a pretty good season as well. How would you describe, I guess, the, the diversity of the offense and, and the number of players that can go up and, and make those big kills when, when you need some points and some momentum? Yeah, we've been fortunate to have, you know, I say somewhat of a balanced offense, but it's no secret that everything runs through our right sides with Alon and Cerny. So, um, you know, those two have done a really good job. And then you add Bella to the mix, who's a very potent middle in just her freshman year you know she does a lot of freshman things we tease her all the time it's like fresh she goes yeah that was a freshman thing we're like yes it was <laughs> but she's been scoring at a pretty high clip and she just she came up big as a blocker down in edinburgh just a lot of solo blocks even but she is a true competitor and when it's game day, you know that kid's going to show up and she's going to bring everything she absolutely has. So it's good for her as a young player to get this experience. Same for, you know, Jaden Fling, Cameron Hill. Those three freshmen have been seeing a lot of court time. So for them to get this experience early in their career is also very important as we head into the future. Coach, you, you also had a great season uh, from your libero Haley Hong, the uh, whack libero of the year. What what has she meant to the team? And it seems like, uh, you know, just from afar, she she provides some strong leadership for your group as well. Yeah, well, you could go back to 2021 and see what not having a libero did for us, and um, that position is so important. And we have always prided ourselves on having very good liberos in our program so to struggle at that position last year was really uh something we were not used to so we hit the transfer portal to make that happen and she just happened to be a player that we were very familiar with because she is a texas kid 
So we knew her from club. She had played in our conference when we were in the Southlands. So, so we were very, very familiar with her and SFA just happened to be, be a good fit for her. And she has come in and really solidified things in serve receive, um, you know, defensively as well. But we've always been a really strong defensive team. But what she has done to kind of steady the ship and serve receive has been phenomenal. And then just the confidence that the rest of the team has in her. That's huge as well. Looking at number four, Baylor, it's no small task ahead of you. Of course, you know, you're one of only 11 active NCAA Division One coaches with 700 or more wins. You know how to get it done in situations. What's what's the mentality? What's the game plan as you look ahead at at tomorrow's big big matchup? Well, you know we've we've all, we've done this one time. We have won a first round match one time, and we're always talking to our team about we just we have to get there more often because the more times you get there, the more opportunities we're going to have. And we need to get to where we're consistently getting past that first round because then eventually you're going to win one of those second round matches. And what this is for us is an opportunity. And it's an opportunity where we've got to keep the focus, like I mentioned before, on things we can control. We can't control their sides. We can't control what's going on over the net. But we have to stick with the game plan. We have to be uh, running a marathon, not a sprint. You know, we've it's got to be over the course of the match. Can we wear people down? Can we frustrate them with some things that we're doing? And um, that's going to be that's going to be crucial for us tomorrow. Is can can we keep them from being able to run that really fast tempo that they've got to their outsides? Because that's if they're in system all night long, that's going to be a really, really that's going to be a big struggle for us. So we've got to find some ways to keep them out of system, limit their offensive options, and at least slow their offense down a little bit to give ourselves a chance defensively. Coach, uh, I had a chance to be uh, a part of the broadcast team in Edinburgh, and we did the the coach interviews uh, before the tournament. And I, I think one of the really interesting things about your story is you graduate from college in 86, you take over as the head coach at SFA in 1988, and you've been there ever since. Uh, kind of tell everybody what it is, why, why SFA is so special and, and has kept you there all those years. Um, it is special. What I just heard you say was that I'm pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> no. Um, you know, I came here right out of grad school, um, almost didn't apply for the job. I was looking for assistant jobs, wasn't even 100% sure that college coaching was where I was going to end up career-wise, but I wanted to give it a try and just see if it was something, you know, just, just see. That's what I wanted to do before I headed down whatever other career path was going to be in front of me. But SFA has become home over the course of these years. And um, it is, you know, I've met my husband in Nacogdoches. We've raised our family in Nacogdoches. Both of my kids have recently graduated from SFA. So, um, you know, it's just become home. It's a very tight-knit community. It's a true college town. It's just, it's been a wonderful place to live, a wonderful place to raise a family. And 
for me, the volleyball side, it allowed me to have have both. We could still have high level volleyball, but I could still feel like I was able to give ample time to my family as well. So it was all the factors combined that have kept me at SFA. And now I just bleed purple like everybody else in Nacogdoches. You coached a lot of good players, a yes. lot of good teams in your time in Nacogdoches. Does this does this group feel different in any way from some previous teams they've coached? This group is really special, and I think it's because, and I don't want to sell them short because they're talented players, but I don't know that we had an expectation that was quite this high going into the season. We knew we were going to be a solid team and we were going to be able to do some good things along the way. And if things fell into place, you know, we could really do something special. But some of the teams we've gone into and just the expectation bar has been super, super high. And we've been able to do some some great things. This group, they are such a tight knit group. And just the chemistry and that piece of how much they just truly love and enjoy each other um, has is what has allowed this group to take that next step. And it's it's fun every day. Like I said, this is a group that this journey that we're on has been super fun every step of the way. And I don't you don't get to say that every year. <laughs> Well, hey, Coach, we want to thank you for taking some time out. Uh, we're actually uh, planning on making the trip down to Baylor to awesome. uh, cheer you guys on. And uh, Kendra will be doing some Instagram stuff. But uh, uh, good luck this week. And, uh, again, we'll be rooting for you. We appreciate it. Thanks. I think we'll have a uh, good group of people or purple fans in the stands. I think our fans will travel well and we'll be well represented. Right, that is Debbie Humphreys, the head volleyball coach at Stephen F. Austin. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.